Before we get into today's episode, we want to know, are you ready for fantasy football? The 2021 NFL season is just a few weeks away, and with fantasy leagues preparing for their drafts, make sure you're up to date on who to draft, who not to draft, and more with fantasy-focused football. ESPN fantasy experts Matthew Berry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp provide daily strategy, previews, and injury reports. That's fantasy-focused football wherever you get your podcast. Also, speaking of fantasy football, for ESPN Plus subscribers, join an ESPN Plus Fantasy Football League now for a chance to win $250,000. That's a quarter of a million dollars. Sweepstakes is U.S. only, 18 or older, no purchase necessary. Visit ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus football rules for full details and official rules. What's up, guys? It's Daniel Cormier. Welcome to part two of this week's DC and RC. Your mm-hmm. biggest crush. Hey, hey, wait a minute, Mr. Uh, hey, you know those little girls used to sing that back in the day? They'd wear their little <laughs> bop dresses and sing. Your biggest Absolutely. crush, Jose Aldo. Your boy, Jose Aldo, was back last weekend. And boy, not only was Jose Aldo back, Jose Aldo did his thing. And last weekend, Jose Aldo in a three-round fight, broke his record for significant strikes against Pedro Munoz, landing 114 significant strikes. He landed more in three rounds than he did over five rounds against Chad Mendez back in the day when he defended the title, where he only landed 102 strikes. When you watch Jose Aldo on Saturday night, and from Rihanna walkout music to his boxing that looked so tight and crisp, and the way that he truly did outclass Pedro Munoz, when you're watching Jose Aldo from the outside, how much do you think he still has to offer this division, which is such a tough, deep division, as Dean Thomas said? I think he has a ton to offer the division because he's Jose Aldo, right? For, for 10 years, for a decade, this man mm-hmm. was unbeatable. And then obviously, he gets caught with the straight left from Conor McGregor, and then he drops down in weight. He fights Piotr Jan, and I'm sitting here thinking, wait, I've, I, I just never seen Jose Aldo be outclassed like this. But this weekend, he was back. He was quick. He was explosive. He was precise. He was a guy that was getting in and getting out. He was making sure he was able to hit and not get hit. But it depends on how we look at Pedro Munoz. I think we both felt coming into the weekend that this was a huge fight for both of these guys. This was a fight that could keep these guys in contention. But the bantamweight division is stacked in the top five, and they're stacked and they're stacked with names like like they're, they're stacked with names like um like Sandhagen. They're stacked with names like Piotr Jan. They're stacked with names like Aljo Sterling. But there's another name that's extremely important to me. There's another name that is flashing in lights on Billboard. And that is TJ Dillashaw, Daniel Cormier. DC, do you think that a fight between Jose Aldo right now and TJ Dillashaw, which would get me all in my nostalgic UFC feels, is the fight that you need to make at Bantamweight or should the UFC wait and be a little businesslike and do what's the smart thing for the brand? You know what, though? I'm doing Rob Font. I don't believe that the Dillashaw fight makes sense. Right, Very rarely do you have a 135-pound fight that matters. And I've done this on a number of occasions where I kind of almost crap on the weights. I'm not trying to crap on the weights. I'm saying that when you get fights that matter, when you got a Sterling versus Jan, because of the way it ended last time, that matters. And you know whoever wins, especially if it's Piotr, 
he gets Dillashaw, who was the champion before he got mm -hmm. suspended, right? Everything comes full right. circle. That fight, once again, matters. If Jose Aldo then can get past Font, he gets a title fight. Now you got another fight that matters. You got three Bantamweight fights in the queue that matter. So no, don't match Dillashaw and, and Aldo. Match Aldo with a Rob Font, because not only is Rob Font on fire, but Rob Font also has a style that is good next to Jose Aldo. He's a boxer. He's not mm -hmm. a guy that's trying to wrestle and grapple Aldo. He's a guy that Aldo can use all mm -hmm. these new skills that he has picked up at the Marine Corps Training Center out in Brazil, the boxing team, and see if he is still of that championship caliber. So, no. Guys, Sean Shelby, don't. Do not put TJ Dillashaw and Jose Aldo together. Let Dillashaw wait hey. for the winner of Sterling versus John, and then let Aldo fight someone else. DC, you know what you're turning in today to the dude that's stealing all of my joy, what? the dude that's stealing all of my fun. I mean, you, you, you want Gable Stevenson <laughs> to go fight, to, to, to go wrestle in the WWE. You don't want to let Jose Aldo <laughs> and TJ Dillashaw just fight right away so I can be excited about it. But when you mentioned some of those other fights, I'm also pumped about those. To me, Jose Aldo showed that he is still relevant. Jose Aldo showed that he can still put on the show and that not only does the name carry weight, but the game carries weight. And that's what I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. Even Conor McGregor loved it. But right? ultimately, Even Conor McGregor saluted Jose Aldo. And I think that's what's important is that Jose Aldo is showing that he can still do it at a high level. You know, Ryan, when you talk about Conor showing respect, Max Holloway showed respect. And I think John Anik said something that was so Telling the moment Rihanna run this town, hit the speakers, me and Dominic Cruz immediately grab for our phones. We both grab for our phones, right? Because it's truly one of those iconic walkouts that you don't want to miss because you don't know how many they have left. But right. I will say this. Jose is still very relevant. Uh, last week I said, maybe he's just in the fun fights now. Nope. He was not into that at all. He said he still has championship aspirations. And on Saturday he showed that he's still very uh he's still very important very to the UFC bantamweight division mm -hmm. and he can compete oh, he's so capable to compete with those guys now after saturday night right everybody's kind of floating on cloud 9 and then my boy Dana White right my boy Dana White did a complete u turn right in regards to the interim championships and Ryan I got to be honest I don't really disagree with him I think he was completely right in the way that he talked about the interim championship because it was based in facts. And this is what he had to say. This interim title is awesome. You have a guy who's undefeated and a guy who beat the champion. You know, it doesn't give you have the two best heavyweights in the world, for sure, fighting for the title. And what happens is when they fight uh, Francis, it's like the old days of the IBF versus the WBC champion. And you unify the belt. That's exactly how I look at it. Look, man, I know Dana was speaking to the WBC and the IBF. Very smart of Dana because he talked about two of the biggest, the largest sanctioning bodies in boxing, right? He didn't say the WBU and the, the WBO, Continental Americas. Mm -hmm. He said the IBF and the WBC because we understand WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF. Those are the ones that matter, right? So he was very smart in that sense. But he talked about interim championships based on Derek Lewis beating Francis on Cyril Gaon mm -hmm. being undefeated 
So it, it, it was valued in that way. Now, Francis is the champion. And I said this a long time ago. This is essentially a number one contenders fight. Francis Ngannou is the heavyweight champion of the world. And he's the baddest man on the planet because he knocked out the previous baddest man on the planet in Stipe Miocic. But when you start to bring interim titles into the fray, everybody starts to call for him. On Saturday, it was supposed mm -hmm. to be Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. Amanda defending the Bantamweight title for the first time since December of 2019. It's been a long time since she has had to defend that belt. Is Juliana Pena right in calling for an interim championship when she just saw one created after three months of the champion's reign when Amanda has not defended it since 2019? Yeah, I think she's absolutely right for calling for an interim championship because look at what happened to Francis Ngannou and he wasn't even inactive close to as long as Amanda Nunes has been in that weight division. Obviously, she's defended her belt in mm -hmm. another weight division, but this is the problem that Amanda Nunes has created. It's not that she doesn't want to defend her belt. It's sometimes... Who in the hell is she going to defend her belt against? And if you are Juliana Pena, here's the reason. Here's the reason you call for the interim belt. And this this is true. This is how I feel. One, I believe you call for the interim belt because that's the only way you're going to get a belt as long as Amanda Nunes is alive oh. and she feels like fighting. Also, too, this allows this allows the UFC to build someone else up. There are so many times when we know Amanda Nunes is going to get an opportunity to fight that we aren't even concerned with who her opponent is, who her competitor is, because what we're concerned with is how fast is it going to happen and how is she going to decide to finish it? And so if you have someone like Juliana Pena that gets an opportunity to win the interim belt, and we know it just means it's not even the number one contender, it's going to be the first loser. But at least then you're excited about the fight, you're excited about the other opponent, and you feel like they can both, at least in the pre-fight talk, walk around with some gold because we all know who is walking out of the octagon with the gold. And it's not... DC, Ryan, I'm not making jokes, Ryan, though. Hey, I don't know. Stop, why are stop, you laughing? Stop. I'm not no, making stop, jokes. stop, stop. Juliana, Juliana is going to get you, dog. Juliana Pena is going to get you. She is mean. She is tough. And when she sees this clip, because I guarantee you, I am posting this on my social media. Juliana Pena is, is going to get you, dog. Now, here's where I disagree, right? I don't think there should be an interim title. Because Amanda Nunes pulled out for something that's so out of our control right now with COVID. Right? Like, if she was just hurt, Absolutely. it's COVID. Like, Amanda was probably training, and she got COVID in the gym or something. So, that's where I disagree. And Amanda's back in the gym, and she is saying now that she wants to fight in December. So, Juliana can wait to December. What I will say, though, Ryan, DC, and this is why I how think can you disagree, DC? <laughs> no, no, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, Cyril got an interim belt. No, I disagree because of COVID. The only reason... If, if it wasn't this COVID thing, because okay. if Fred said COVID, okay. then I would be like, no COVID, no, no fight, right? It's because of COVID. It's only because you. of COVID. That's the only reason I disagree with what you're saying. What I do also disagree with a little bit is that Juliana Payne is a dog, man. She's not a, she, she is going to be the toughest bantamweight fight Amanda has had in a really long time. Ryan, Ryan, with that being said, Ryan, I don't know how tough it's going to be. What I know is it'll be tougher than what Megan Anderson did last time or tougher than uh, what the Canadian girl did a couple uh, fights ago at 145 where it looked like Amanda was smart. Uh, Felicia Spencer. 
Felicia Spencer. I, I think it'll be tougher than those fights, but I don't know how tough. Am I picking against the Lioness? No, Ryan. Make no mistake about it. But I do believe it'll be a little bit tougher. I'm going to. It's, it's, it's all about I'm the championship. Play that it's all about the championship. It's all about the chance. Don't you dare play that for Amanda. Don't you dare try to make it seem like I'm gonna make Amanda's gonna <laughs> lose. I'm not saying that. I am. You <laughs> picked again. You can't pick. I'm not, but I'm gonna say you feel like she's no, gonna I lose. Didn't. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I never said I never said that. I'm saying that you sound scared, with all those DC. titles that Amanda has. I'm a bit scared of Amanda Nunez. I am a bit scared of Amanda Nunez, if I'm being honest. But with all the titles that Amanda Nunez has, right? She's in rarefied air, right? It's a, it's a, a faction of people that don't really accomplish the things that she has. But last weekend, RC, you spent time with a lot of people that have won championships, that have reached their ultimate goals. And then on last weekend, they joined where they will live forever. They were enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Talk to me about what it was and how did it feel to be surrounded by that much great, I mean, two Hall of Fame classes on one weekend to see yeah. that greatness in one area, Ryan. Like, I mean, I, I was so I'm so jealous that you got to experience that. Man. How was the experience? I tell you, DC, if you ever want to make yourself feel um, extremely insignificant, go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and sit around those dudes and listen to the stories and listen to the things that they've accomplished, not only individually, but as a team. But the one thing that was awesome was five Pittsburgh Steelers went in. A uh, coach that I played for, Coach Cower, an uh, offensive lineman that I played with in both college and the NFL and Alan Fanica. And obviously one of my closest friends in the world and Troy Palomalu. And to get an opportunity for to watch those men receive their flowers, for them to be alive, to hear the things that people could say about them, for the stadium to be packed with terrible towels, towels and Pittsburgh Steelers fans, but also to listen to people like Edger and James take, take, take a moment to step outside of himself and speak to the world and speak to society and give a call to everyone to be better because that's what the Hall of Fame is about. The Hall of Fame is about the best of the best. So to have an opportunity to use your platform the way Edger and James did or the way Drew Pearson did and his excitement for finally making it into the Hall of Fame, it was truly a humbling moment for me. And it's one of those experiences that you never think it's something you want to do. Like I've never wanted to go to the Hall of Fame and be around that event. But now it's something I think I'll try to do each and every year because you learn something, you feel something, you take something away from a weekend like that. Yeah, it's crazy to see um, all that greatness in one area, man. And I'm just so happy that you got to experience that. And it's something that you want to do uh, going forward. And from all those guys uh, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and, and, and like you said, receiving their flowers, I want to give my guy Jacare Souza his flowers, man. On a great career, you know, former Strike Force champion, spent years at the top of the UFC, fighting the best of the best. Unfortunately, never got to that UFC title fight that he was so close to on so many occasions. But we saw Jacare yeah. build a legacy that he and his family can be so proud of. From the jujitsu stories to him breaking his arm, sticking it in his gi uh, belt in order to mm. finish the match to becoming the Strike Force champion, some of the great performances that he had inside the UFC. Him and I shared the octagon at UFC 230, uh, where he beat Chris Weidman, showed off fantastic boxing. Jacare, my friend, it has been an honor to watch you compete. Congratulations on a fantastic career. Now enjoy your time. I'm telling you, it's like nothing else. Uh, pick up golf. Maybe you and I can hit the links together. <laughs>
Man, DC, that was, that was an awesome tribute, an awesome salute. Um, you know, we talk a little bit, we talked a little bit about basketball a while back. And, you know, I'm one of those nerds and one of those freaks. And I only love basketball, but I love the UFC. I love fighting. So I watch detail. They don't let me do a football detail, but here I'm going to do a little walkout detail as we show you with your jersey, <laughs> pounding your chest for the Houston Rockets. Oh, let's go. And not the Milwaukee Bucks. So look, right, we got to pound the chest. We're going to oh, shoot wait. the jumper. Let's look at the lift. Look at the lift. Right oh, now, I count 2.5 inches of vertical on this jumper. So was this a free throw? Was this a set shot? Is this the Daniel Cormier that's the heavyweight champ? Or was that the light heavyweight champ, Daniel Cormier, shooting that? But you're pounding your chest because you seem excited to have a Houston Rocket jersey on. But, D.C., I thought you were a Milwaukee Buck fan. Let's listen to a little bit of that support. Listen, R.C., last night, my Milwaukee Bucks mm -hmm. won our first championship since 1971. R.C., listen. R.C., Growing up in Louisiana, it's very difficult to be a Bucks fan, especially in all the times that they've lost. I was the first kid down on the bayou right. to pronounce Antetokounmpo correctly. You know what I'm saying? So now we're dancing and moving <laughs> grooving as we got a championship. You saw it right now, RC. It may be Giannis's league. I know that it upsets a lot of people. I got a, a nephew that's a baller. But us Bucks fans, we right. feel like now... <laughs> The greatest player in the world resides down in Milwaukee. I'm just saying. I got to say it. DC, it seems really weird that you went from being in Louisiana, it's hard to be a Bucks fan, because it almost feels like you only became a Bucks fan when you moved to Cali and they finally made it to the finals. And that's why I had my head back and I was shaking my head because the whole other time that you've been doing shows and talking basketball, it's been Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. You got the Rockets jersey on and you're dang near in tears, pounding your chest, walking out of the arena. So which is it? Are you a Bucks fan or a Rockets fan? Or are you just a bandwagon type of guy? Oh, my God. I can, I can honestly say I'm a bit of a front runner, if, uh, if I got to be completely <laughs> honest. But it's one mission always. It's one mission always, baby. Houston Rockets. For the rest of my life, that is my team, and I will go down to the bottom of the ocean with with the Kevin Porter Juniors and the and the Christian Woods and the John Walls of the world, Jay Shanti. I will just I will ride that wave until I am done. As long as I'm watching basketball, I will always represent the red, the white, and the black. What? What? DC, but how though? What? When you were just a Milwaukee Buck fan three weeks ago. Three well, weeks ago, you okay, were singing okay. well, the praise the Bucks. of Giannis Antetokounmpo, and now all of a sudden you're back to being <laughs> okay. a Houston fan. Okay. So if I if I buy you a Chicago okay. Bulls okay. jersey, are you then going to love Zach Levine? Well, well, let me tell you something. I, I also did at one point jump in front of the eight ball. The Seahawks were really good. I put on a Seahawks hat one time while I was working at my other channel. You know, so there are times. I remember one time I really pissed everybody off. When the Warriors won their first title, I said, we do this one for the old guard. And I put a picture of Spreewell, Mitch Richmond, and Chris Mullen. And everybody was like, what in the world is going on, Daniel? Like, what is going on? So listen, DC I will the always runner. ride with winners, RC. I will always ride with winners, right? But I will always love the Houston Rockets. Hey, I never, I RC, I never, not to be boastful, 
But I never have to change teams because the LSU Tigers are always good, right? We don't have to switch teams when we're from Louisiana. We got those Bayou Bengals. Ain't got to change that, that brother. <laughs> Louisiana. We ain't got to do nothing. We ain't got to do nothing. Hey, RC, once again, man, fantastic show. It was awesome. This is a good Appreciate one. You, I feel brother. like we're getting into our time. group, right? We're getting into our getting group. Into the group. We're getting brother. into our group. Louisiana guys, boot thank boy. you guys for joining us. Let's go, baby. Guys, thank you for joining us once again. For an edition of DC and RC, I'm Daniel Cormier. That's Super Bowl champion Ryan Clark. And we will see you guys next week. Peace.